the uh, text for the communion message is in Genesis. Genesis chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 6. Genesis 15, 1 to 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven, and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that here, so early in the Bible, uh, only 15 chapters in, uh, we see faith so clearly evidenced. And we pray, Lord, that you would grant us faith, that our faith would grow uh, daily, and that we would uh, love you and live for you uh, increasingly as we live out our days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Genesis 15.6 is just a famous verse. Uh, Abram believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. This is really, if you were to pick one verse out of the Bible and say, this is what the Bible is about, this is probably one of the verses that you might choose. Uh, Abel's gift was respected in Genesis 4.4, and it was accepted by God. But you really didn't see Abel being saved. And then with Noah you saw Noah being declared to be a righteous man. And he is saved in his family, and the whole population of the world is destroyed. And yet you don't see who else is at work there. It would appear, anyway, that Noah is perhaps saved in his own righteousness. But yet God rapidly evaporates that theory because in the very next chapter he's built a vineyard and he's gotten drunk, and, and he, oh, okay, he's, he's sinful. But uh, here's the first indication that righteousness is a gift from God, just a true gift from God imputed to you through no act of your own. So that's Abram's faith, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. I just had to talk about that, though. And yet the topic here is Jesus and our heavenly heritage. And this is supposed to be a series on the shadows of Jesus in Genesis, the types that point at Christ. And that came earlier. And let's talk about that. What was it that led to God commending Abraham for his faith? Abram, I guess, at this point. It was that God would bless him with descendants. He said he believed God, and then he credited it to him as righteousness. But what did he believe? He believed God's promise. God's promise was that he would have a posterity from his own body. And yet here he is, an old man as good as dead, and yet he goes on to live for another 90 years. I mean, how could he be near death at that point? But... Uh, Moses, same, same case later. Moses had his strength right up until God took him off this earth. But in Genesis thirteen sixteen, I want to point something out to you. So it's two chapters back. In thirteen sixteen, we read this. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. 
So see, God's promise to Abram of building him a posterity from his own body had already been given. And yet, it doesn't speak of Abram being justified before God and credited with righteousness until we read this, which almost seems like a parallel verse, doesn't it? Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So what's the difference? Conceptually, you think, well, there doesn't appear to be much of a difference there. But really, the difference is just staring us right in the face. What's the difference between dust on the ground and stars in the sky? It's huge, right? I mean, the difference between dust and stars is immense. And that's what we're talking about here. In Abram, we have the promise of both the earthly posterity and the heavenly posterity. And it's in this section of the text that we see them diverge. We see them clearly represented. So, Abram had no earthly future, right? He was old. He was wealthy, but he was just going to give his wealth to this Eliezer of Damascus because he didn't have an heir to give it to. The people of the earth had no spiritual future. They had nothing to look forward to beyond death. There had been nothing promised yet. And yet, that's where we're getting to. This is what's developing. God is unfolding the promise of an eternity with him. Yet, it's not really clear. So as God gave Abraham an earthly heritage through Isaac, the whole world gained an earthly heritage through Abram, through his greater son, Jesus. Isaac was the son of promise for Abraham's earthly seed. Jesus was that heavenly seed through which he blessed the whole world. In Abram, we see both of these paths. And right here in Genesis 15, we see them diverge. We see the fact that there, is, there are two battles going on, two battlefields. The church is referred to on the earth as what? The church militant. And the church is referred to as heaven as what? the church triumphant. Both of those paths, both of those fields are real. We're here in the one, we leave this earth and go to the other. Faith is introduced here as the instrument by which that's possible for us to leave this earthly battlefield and enter into that heavenly calm, that heavenly peace. Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith it is impossible to please him. All who lack faith on this earth cannot please God. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But what do the people who lack faith often do when they hear the word of God? Stop up their ears. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to be bound by it. They don't want to be guided by it. They don't want to be obligated to it. But they are all those things whether they want it or not. In coming to the table, we exercise our faith, and we ask God to grow our faith. That's why we have a communion meditation. Uh, we've been criticized for preaching too much up here, but uh, I don't think we're ever going to apologize about that. Uh, we think we preach just enough, perhaps, maybe not enough some weeks, maybe a little bit too much some weeks, get you a little tired sitting in chairs. So we do recognize that that's our responsibility, though, is to open up the word here and encourage you to open up the word throughout the week.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, your word. Uh, It is through your word that faith is planted in our hearts. It's through your word that faith uh, grows into a young plant, into a sturdy plant to bear fruit. And so we thank you, Father, for this promise that you gave Abraham and this promise that is now where we are 4,000 years later. We can just see so much fruit from what you have done. And yet, Lord, there is yet so much to do. So we pray that you would make us uh, fruitful workers in your vineyard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.